Hey, uh, this is contact work, so if you're looking for another seminar, this is the best time to explain it. Hey, my name is Mark Edgar. I'm a converting leader in the region. Uh, before doing the program, I did uh, finish in my life. Um, but we're going to talk about contact work. I'm going to start with prayer first, though. Lord, thanks for uh, this weekend. Thanks for the folks, Lord, for all the kids they represent. Uh, Lord, uh, we are grateful you can do this. Uh, Lord, as you got we pray that kids will be Christ. Amen. Hey, I'm going to start. Uh, this could be hard for you guys. Uh, has anybody ever read this book? Uh, from Bondage to Liberty, Advanced Children Dance. Uh, it was written by Jim Rayburn's son, who founded Jet Line. Has anybody read it? Awesome. Well, that's good. Well, I'm going to read a short little excerpt. When I say short, it's like four pages long, so you guys bear with me. Uh, but it's written by Jim Rayburn, uh, and I just love it. Uh, it talks about what we're about in our life. So, by the way, those are my voice that people know in. Uh, so this is Jim Rayburn. It says, what a change. I started having lively meetings. Two or three kids came out who were really sharp and could do something with the rest of the bunch. Their personal enthusiasm for the club got others to come, and it was wonderful. Right at the start, the Lord got hold of two kids. One of them was Biddy Murphy. She was the very first youngster that was ever led to the Lord Jesus Christ in the public mind. She was in with that little high school society set, and she got those kids to come to club. She and a boy in the senior class. We decided we'd have a prayer meeting, those two kids and me, and the pastor studied that Sunday night. We started to pray for the club. The pastor met with us. He was pushing me all the time. He didn't care if I did any work around the church. He just wanted to see those kids reach for Christ. He said, don't hunk around with those people who came to church. I'll take care of them. You go down to that high school. Boy, now, just think of that. I wonder what would happen if, if there were more pastors like that. If there were, if there were some pastors in every town like that that said, that just said, boy, I'm not doing so bad for people who are coming to church. The thing that's bothering me is all those people who don't come. Somebody go out and get them. That's what the church is all about, really. You can't read the book of Acts. You can't read the New Testament. You can't read it of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ without coming to the conclusion that that's what the church is here for, to go after others. And why it's such a colossal flop is because it's so ingrained. Nobody hears a message except those who have already heard it. And they're not going to do anything about it, so nothing happens. This guy just keeps pushing me and pushing me and pushing me, and I went out. I don't even think there was a prayer meeting I don't even think the prayer meeting was my idea. We'd have 12 kids at our club meeting the night those two kids came through, through before the Lord. And we decided to have this prayer meeting. And for the next week, we had 23. And boy, we had another prayer meeting. A prayer meeting that wouldn't quit. And the next week, we had 32. In two weeks, we went from 12 to 32. And then we had another prayer meeting. And the school was really out then. The next night we met in the biggest home in the whole town and we had 51. 
And right at the end of the meeting, one of the toughest kids in the senior class got up and said, wait a minute, I wanted to tell you that I accepted Jesus Christ while, while Jim was talking. And it was like a bomb dropped in that place. None of us had ever heard anything like that. It was wonderful. One or two others who had got woke up joined the prayer meeting the next Sunday night. And from 51, we went to 62, and from 62 to 75. We had two meetings of 75 and kept crying. A beautiful little blonde girl, the school beauty queen, came to know the Savior and joined in the prayer meeting. She had never been in a prayer meeting in her whole life. We were praying around in a circle, taking turns, and she heard us praying for Burr Nichols, the captain of the football team. As soon as we raised our heads up from prayer, this little blonde girl piped up and said, I'll get her. She was going with him. She said, she said she'd bring him next meeting, just like that. That prayer was answered fast. We started the next meeting, and that night I'll never forget. It was, it was crowded in that hall when we were meeting. It was a big front hall, but 75 people are a lot of people for a hall. And they were sitting on the floor, and I was crammed up against the front door. I kept looking for this blonde girl and blonde fur nickels. They weren't there. We went through the songs, and it was time for a message. I'd stalled as long as I could, and just as I was getting up to speak, there was a clomp, clomp, clomp across the front porch. That door busted open behind me, and here was that little blonde girl and Burr Nichols right behind me. She just pranced in and sat down in front of me. That was the only space in the whole floor, and there was Burr Nichols standing in front of the whole crowd. He turned around and sunk down beside her. Well, I started in and I was scared to death. I was just shaking in my boots. I gave the, I gave the gospel the best I knew. Burr hadn't been at the beginning of the meeting. He hadn't heard any singing or anything. But something about him he liked. He came around afterwards and stuck out his big mitt, shook my hand, and said, Boy, Jim, I like that. I'm coming back next week. Next week we started off with the same situation. A big crowd jammed up against the front door, but Burr Nichols wasn't there. I went all the way through and came to the message time again. I saw a little blonde girl in the audience and I thought, oh, they had a divorce this week. <laughs> but I was wrong. Just as I started to speak, there came, there came that awful clomp on the clomp across the front porch. Burr opened the front door and came in like he owned the place. He walked past me and said, Jim, I wouldn't have been here so late, but I couldn't find some of these guys. And four teammates came trailing behind me. I found out that across the street from the high school, a group of elderly women had been meeting for six years, every Monday morning, sitting down on their knees in the living room of dear old Mrs. Rashers. They prayed every Monday morning for six years, long before I'd ever heard of Gainesville, Texas, for high school kids across the street. I was there, for a, I was there a year before I heard of that prayer meeting. I used to go over there with those five or six old ladies, get down on my knees with them after that club started going. That was the thing the Lord used to start with. Back in some seminary, a group of kids going to school there got interested in this club and started to pray. They'd meet every Monday night and pray, and I went to that club meeting in Gainesville. They'd get down on their knees and spend hours praying for that club meeting. It's no wonder we had a revival in that school. That's how young life started. I didn't have any mind, I didn't have any mind to start anything, but that club went from 75 to 96 into 100, into 119, 135, and the week before finals, there was 170 kids there. 
Burdenickle closed in with the Savior about the fifth night he heard, ever heard the gospel. That fall, Burr went to Dallas to spot players for the announcer at one of their, one of their football games. Riding back, they had a terrible accident, and Burr was killed. His folks wanted me to preach the funeral. They said I was the only preacher Burr had ever listened to. Burr grew up in, sorry, Burr grew up on the wrong side of the tracks and was a regular ruffian. All the Lord was waiting for was somebody to get a little bit interested in Burr. A little blonde beauty queen and a little pit squeak theological student. Burr was a precious soul for whom the Lord died. The country is full of people like that. There are thousands of people in this country that no Christian has ever said a kind word to. Most of the kids in the nation are like that. A few million of them will graduate from high school this year, just like Fort Nichols. They never heard the story, and I can't say that. Uh, I love that story. Uh, those are our roots in Young Life. Um, and just like Kess shared, uh, there's really two things that are the secret sauce of, of Young Life. Um, it's prayer and it's contact work. Um, I, uh, you guys show this up front? You guys have one of these? Uh, we handed them out this year, so hopefully, hopefully you got one. But these are uh, just little prayer journals that you uh, can write kids' names in that you get to meet. Uh, when you're up at school. Uh, not that you take it out and start writing it right uh, But uh, one of my favorite things about Young Life is this little prayer journal. Uh, my young wife later gave me one in high school and uh, said, start writing names in it. What did you need? Uh, sometimes you don't know kids' names, uh, but you write, hey, basketball player, wore a red shirt today. Um, and the beautiful thing about it is you get to pray for them. Um, this is one that I just started this year. Uh, I'm a Capernaum leader now, but these are just some kids' uh, names that I've been praying for uh, and doing contact work with. But uh, Joe's a, a kid that has Down syndrome. Um, you get to see him every week, pray for him. We uh, ride a tandem bicycle through Hudson. Another kid here, David. Uh, I coach freshman basketball, uh, and David's an assistant coach. Guys on the team call him Coach G. Uh, he makes him do push-ups every practice. Uh, <laughs> but his name's in here. Um, Paul, Paul's a, a kid that has autism who uh, went out for the cross-country team this year. Uh, the season started, and uh, there was trouble because a lot of the running they went through the neighborhood. Um, and so you have to cross streets to do that. And there were a lot of times when he would run out in front of traffic. So uh, I got to go to cross country practice every day and run, run with Paul uh, so we could get across the street with the uh, <laughs> <laughs> car. Uh, contact work uh, doesn't happen with doctor. Uh, and I would also say the same thing uh, prayer doesn't happen with contact work. Um, and I've done a lot of young life without prayer, and it sucks. Um, and so I just want to say that again. Prayer, contact work doesn't happen without prayer. I don't think prayer happens without us going. Prayer is what prepares us to go. Um, so if you don't have one of these, I think your area director probably has a bunch of them. 
uh, ask them for it. This is the best thing I think we do in, in Young Life. Um, but uh, I want to tell you a story. Uh, I came on staff. Uh, I was a little older when I came on staff. I was 30. Um, and I knew nothing about Young Life. Well, I knew a little bit about Young Life. I'd never run a club before. I'd never done campaigners. I had no idea how to do that. All I knew was I needed to go to the school and meet kids. Uh, so I remember going to the school for the first time. Uh, knew a couple kids. Um, and you know the first day we met five or six kids. Uh, but you know, walked in. Usually you guys know how this whistle works. Kids are running out of the school. So you're just, you know, hey, hey, hey. Uh, after that, you know, went into the weight room, tried to meet a few kids. Stopped by basketball practice. Kids. I think the first day I probably met five or six kids, and you know, just over the next couple weeks, kind of the same thing, kind of got another routine, and uh, just tried to meet, meet some kids, and I really didn't know what to say or ask, uh, but the question that just kept popping into my head every time I went up to school is, every kid I went up and asked, or met, I asked this question, I said, hey, who's the craziest kid in the school? Uh, I don't know why I asked that question, but that was just what I, what I asked them. Uh, and it was funny, like the more and more I asked that question, everyone said the same answer. They have this one kid, uh, his name is Dave. Um, and so I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, I mean, it's Dave. Dave. So I started praying for Dave. Uh, that whole first fall, I, I couldn't meet Dave, which was like so frustrating to me because I'm like, I'm at this school every day, go to every football game. Like, I, how have I not met Dave yet? Um, and so, um, but everyone I talked to, every, everyone I kept running to kept asking that question, hey, who's the craziest kid in this school? They kept the same day. Um, but hadn't had the chance to meet them. Second semester, our first club, uh, I, it's kind of a side story, but it's, it's a part of the story. Uh, I was in a car wreck, uh, split my head open, had to get 10 staples. So I'm like, I need to, uh, and Kess was actually a couple cars behind me when we got in that wreck, so he came into the emergency room. And he's like videoing them from the staples. So like any young like movie, like I've got to show that video at club. Um, so I plugged that one in. I showed the video of them putting staples in my head and like turned up the volume and the voice so it like the staple was like, was like <laughs> you know, girls were like. So I showed the video, and, uh, you know, after club, we go to McDonald's uh, to hang out after club, so I'm hanging there, and you know, see this table of guys, knew a couple of them, I walked over to say, hey, and uh, guess who was at that table? Dave. Dave was there. Uh, so first time I ever got to meet Dave was after club uh, at McDonald's. Uh, someone had invited him, uh, and I, I remember when I, when you're like, he's like, I'm Dave. I'm Dave. I've been looking all, like, I realized that it's probably Dave. I heard you're the craziest kid in school. And he's like, yep. Uh, and then he's like, uh, are those staples ready to come out of your head? Oh. Uh, so, like, when I went to get staples, they, they give you something to take the staples out. Uh, you're, you're technically supposed to go to, like, your position, because they don't have that. <laughs> so he's like, hey, can I take some staples out of your head? Oh. So I'm like, yeah. 
table uh, when my back is down. Uh, I looked up at the thing in my car. I ran out there, uh, and they took about four staples out of my head that night. Oh wow! Didn't take all of them, but you got three out So um, that's one of my favorite favorite memories. I remember. Uh, you know, Dave and I start getting to hang out quite a bit after that. Um, that spring. Uh, I was at school, and uh, we were, you know, camp is, we were talking camp, and I was like, Dave, you gotta come to camp. Camp is the best we can do. It's gonna blow you away. He was like, nah. And the cool thing that night, he texted Texas, and he was like, hey, are you serious about campus camping? Is it the best? And I said, it's, it's for real. Um, and he said, okay, I'm in. Um, but if you're wrong, he said something about it. If you're wrong, you're uh, So we went to camp that summer, and you know, uh, there's probably a lot of other stories for another time uh, about Dave. But um, but that was one of my first experiences, uh, just with contact with him and getting his data. Uh, it just started with. Showing up to the school, praying, asking who's the priest you're here. Um, but that's one of my favorite memories of contact work. Um, just a quick disclaimer about contact work uh, and what we're going to talk about here today. I'm kind of aiming for the middle of the fairway. Uh, there's a lot of people with different contexts here, you know, New Life College, Capernaum, Wildlife. Um, it, it can be a little bit different depending on those context and scenarios. I'm just kind of traditional in my uh, We'll talk about Capernaum contact work here today. Uh, but kind of just broad, middle of the fairway contact work today. Um, I think it's not, uh, it's a secret sauce we do in Young Life, but I think it's the best thing we do in Young Life. Uh, it is my, by far my favorite thing we do. Uh, love being at the school, being, love being with kids. Uh, Best thing we did. Best thing we did. Um, hey, there's a couple verses I'm just going to reference. I'm not going to read them, but if you just want to mark them down, you can check them out later. Uh, John 1 14 is one, uh, Hebrews 2, uh, verses 14, 17, and 18. Does anybody know what John 1 14 is off the top of their head? Some of the language Hebrews uses is that, um, just so I don't mess it up, I love these verses, but it, this is some of the language it, it says in, in Hebrews, it says, Jesus shared in our flesh and blood. He himself likewise partook in the same things, made like his brother in every respect. He became like his brother. He suffered that he might help those who were suffering. Uh, 
kind of another look at the incarnation of Christ. Um, John 1.14, you dwell among us, and we are incarnation, and we will be with us. In Hebrews, it talks about he became like us in every respect, flesh and blood. Um, we're going to talk about the incarnation there. Uh, you know, the humility and sacrifice of Jesus didn't start at the cross. It started at his incarnation. Uh, to become like us was a humiliating thing for Christ. Uh, the sacrifice started by giving up and coming to be like us, coming to be with us. And I think that's um, really important to understand when we talk about contract work. Um, is that it, it can be humiliating at times. Uh, it can be sacrificial at times. Uh, but that's a beautiful thing because Christ did it. Uh, Christ did, did it for us. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, and and uh, here's, here's my thought too is uh, how do, uh, you know, kind of speaking of all of us here too, this is kind of moving away from those two verses, but. Uh, how do a bunch of college students, young professionals, mothers of three, uh, washed up athletes, uh, <laughs> uh, who have never once uh, taken a seminary class or have a seminary degree, how does, how does God use them to proclaim himself? For people to know him, it's prayer contact work. It's his method. Uh, there's no other way. Um, I'm speaking of myself here, and, and I'll probably include you guys. Uh, we, we're young in our faith. We're still learning the scriptures. How does how does God use someone like me, young in my faith, still learning the scriptures, for His purpose to make Him known? It's prayer and contact work. Uh, there's no other way. Uh, I don't necessarily know how to sit in front of a kid and answer questions that he might have about uh, why uh, maybe his parents got a divorce. I can't answer that question for him. I can't answer questions about um, why maybe his sister passed away and then they or why there's people in this room, or why uh, hard, really, really hard things happen. I can't answer questions about evolution. Like, that's above my favorite. Uh, and I would probably say the same is true about a lot of you. But God uses us. How does he use us? It's prayer and contact work. It's, it's the only way. It's the only way. Um, I love this, this quote. Uh, this is from uh, Ian Bounds. Uh, Ian Bounds was a Civil War chaplain for the Confederacy. Uh, but he has written a lot on prayer. Uh, this was a quote that I love. It says, what the church needs today is not mere, not more machinery or better uh, Let me start over. Uh, what the church needs today is not more machinery or better, not new organizations or more novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use. Men of prayer 
and then mighty in prayer. The Holy Ghost does not flow through methods, but through men. And that's talking about prayer. That we are the method. And then mighty in prayer. Sorry. Anyway. Um, so, uh, Kess said this out there, I just want to say it again, uh, and I do believe this, and, I, and I hopefully it doesn't come off as harsh, like nothing I want to say today about contact with, do I want to come across as uh, arrogant, like I've got to do out, you don't. Uh, I noticed, uh, hopefully this is encouraging, but uh, if there are no rhythms of prayer and contact work, you are not in the moment with it. So and that's, I think, why we're here. That's why we're here. This is who we are. Uh, contact work and prayer is who we are. Uh, so here's a common question. Uh, Connor, you can't answer this question. Uh, who has gotten this question before? How many kids come to your thing? So think about someone who is not involved in young life, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a pastor in the community, maybe, could be a lot of different things, but say someone comes up to you, they know you're involved in young life, they know you're a leader, and they ask you this question, hey, how many people come to your faith? How many answer that? It's, and before you say it, it's a little bit of a trick question. Yeah, it is, yeah, that's the thing. And it's like frustrating for you to say it, but like, I would say, you're gonna have to give a rough estimate. Like, yeah, it could be five, it could be like 50, we don't like, you know. And I think a lot of like, it's like, because of the like, contact work over there in our area. I think if we're doing it really good, then kids will show up, but if we're not doing it, kids will show up. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes that's the appropriate answer. Like, someone's like, hey, how many people come to your club? Well, then we have 50 there last week. Uh, any other thoughts? And plus, about like kids coming to our thing, it's more about me going to them. Like, I can't tell you how many kids they come to my thing, it's like how many kids come back to school. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember when, you know, first year being on staff, someone asked me that question, hey, how many people are coming to the club? And, you know, the club was okay that fall, I was like proud of it, so I was like, oh, you know, like 80 kids. And, uh, but then, I forget who it was, but it was like, no. Uh, how many kids go to your high school? And I was like, well, there's 1,600 kids at Hudson High School. And like, that's how many people are, part, you know, in your because it's about volleyball. So, uh, so yeah, so it's a little bit of a trick question, but like, is that our perspective? Because that, the answer to that question, um, impacts your ministry. Like if it's just about the 40 that are coming to your thing, uh, I wouldn't say, I would say that's kind of a shallow ministry. It's a 1600, it's a 2000 in high school. It's uh, the 60 that uh, are part of the uh, special education program for the community. Uh, that's who we're going after, not just the 40. I remember being trained early on. Uh, the sign of a great young life leader is how many kids you hang out with and you know that don't come to your bank. Right? 
Remember being trained on that very early on. That's a sign of great young life for this. Someone who knows. How many kids you know that don't come to your thing? How many kids you hang out with that don't come to your thing? Um, hey, we're going to talk a little bit more practical stuff. How we do it on time? All right, we got about 20 minutes. Um, hey, here's where I think, just from some of my observations talking to the groups, here, here's where I feel like we're kind of stuck as a mission in, in the region with contact work. Uh, we get stuck in this cycle is um, what a lot of contact work looks like for, for leaders is going up to the school, uh, finding kids that we know, grabbing them, um, and then leaving the high school, going somewhere, you know, you, up at the, you, know, you find them at the high school, within five, 10 minutes after dismissal, you guys are gone, uh, you're hanging out somewhere, uh, and you're kind of stuck hanging out with like, the same kids, uh, and, and a lot of times those kids uh, can be needy, uh, and so you're, you're just stuck in the same conversations where you're trying to help them get them out of the pit, of the, just the stuff that they're going through. Um, and that's kind of young life, uh, is going to school, going to find that kid, uh, we're going to leave the school after about five, ten minutes, we're gonna go grab Starbucks, go grab some McDonald's, and we're just gonna talk about just the crap that's going on in their life. Uh, and that's your life. Who, who would kind of say, hey, I kind of see that or resonate with that? Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I think uh, that's something I hear quite a bit, see a lot. Um, and so I, that's where really I want to sit for a little bit and talk about that. Um, because I don't want to come across and say, hey, that's bad. But I don't want to say, hey, let's think bigger. Let's think about contact with bigger uh, than just that. Um, you know, what, what if contact looked more like this? Uh, say you go to the school, um, and you know, at dismissal. Hey, real quick, time out. Why? Why is dismissal such a important part of contact work? Does anybody know? Why dismissal? <coughs> All the kids are in one place. Yeah. Where else in your community is every high school kid or middle school kid uh, in the same place at the exact same time? than at your school at dismissal, right? Uh, maybe the most important time of the day uh, in your communities, because uh, that's when young white leaders are showing up uh, to be with kids. Um, and so that's why we talk so much about dismissal, that's why we talk so much about football games, because that's where probably a lot of people in the community are at on Friday night, uh, is at, at a football game. So what if dismissal looked like this? Instead of just going in, grabbing the one kid you know, and then leaving the school in five, ten minutes, uh, what if dismissal looked like you go into the school and you just start, uh, maybe you don't know anyone, but you just start meeting people. Not, 
that you're having deep conversations, but what if you go into school and you just start meeting people, saying, hey, I'm gonna try and meet three or four kids every day, or maybe that's five kids. And by the end of the week, that's 20, 25 kids, right? By the end of the semester, that's not very good math. <laughs> Over 100. Um, uh, and so you start meeting some kids, um, and then you start praying for those kids. You start writing them down in here. Kids you meet. Every day you leave the school, you start writing them in here. Every day you start getting on your knees and you start praying for them. Um, and then you keep showing up to the high school. You keep showing up to the high school. And sometimes that's awkward. 36-year-old man showing up to high school. It can be awkward sometimes, um, but it's awesome. Um, everyone's been there. But you keep showing up at the high school. And you don't leave after five minutes. The big wave of kids are running out of the, the school. You're saying hi, and you're pointing at them. I remember taking a football in the school one time and just throwing at kids I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'd catch it, uh, and I'd see a teacher. I'd stop for a few minutes, and then the teacher would turn to go down the hallway. I'd throw the football at kids again. And all I wanted to do is see who I am. See who I am. But I want a face that they recognize and they can trust. Um, and, you know, just keep on throwing the football. Sometimes I didn't go into school. I just stood out in front of school, and the kids that walked by their cars, I just watched football at them. Whether I or not, um, I met a ton of kids that way, uh, just throwing a football into the school. And then I started learning names. You know, sometimes uh, it wasn't even, I'd go up and ask a name. But, I, you know, kids I didn't know, I'm like, hey, who's that? What's their name? What's sport name? Or what do they do? And then I'd walk up to them and say, hey, what's up, Mark? You play, you play basketball, right? What do you next time? Tomorrow. Hey, I'll be with you. And just start meeting guys that way. Um, and then keep praying and keep praying. And it's amazing what the Lord starts doing. Guys like David Mogg start showing up at the club, but you didn't even write. Uh, you keep meeting kids. You keep meeting kids. Uh, you keep praying for them, uh, and they start showing up. You start showing up at their games, and they start coming up to you and like, hey, why, why are you at this game? Who are you? Uh, and you can answer those questions. Uh, that's contact work. That's, and that's what contact work is for. Uh, it's a lot of fun. You meet a lot of kids, and it's in the Lord's hands. You walk into the school spreading seeds, and the Lord starts watering and growing the seeds. Like that's how you do contact with uh, And then you start falling up with kids. Uh, yeah. Um, hey, there's something in, in Young Life. Uh, campaign led Nestor. Who's, who's, who uh, in leadership talks about? Campaign led ministries in their areas. Nice to have. So that's where you get to include kids in the ministry with you. Uh, it's something uh, in terms of discipleship, it's something uh, in kids growing the Lord. Here's, here's what I would say there's a danger to it. Um, 
I've said this, so I'm, I'm saying this to myself. Never tell a kid, uh, invite your friends. Invite your friends in this thing. Uh, this was something that my young life leader hammered home with me. Uh, when I was in high school, my young life leader, uh, there wasn't a day that I didn't see my young life leader at the high school. Uh, not a day. I'm sure there were a couple of days that he wasn't there. But he, uh, he was out of college. He worked uh, with the Air Force Academy, was stationed at Wright Air Force Base in Dayton. Um, his work day was like 8 to 4, I think, every day. But he went in and said, hey, can I start coming in earlier so I can get off earlier? Yeah. Uh, so I can get up to the high school. And I'm like, yeah. So he started going to work an hour earlier, maybe an hour and a half earlier, so he could get off. Uh, get to the high school uh, at dismissal. It was very few days he wasn't at the high school. I remember going over to his apartment, uh, and he would have uh, the yearbook cut up in little squares with a name on it. And uh, I, they would sit on his table, like in little stacks. Kids, uh, like my classmates, pictures and the names on the of it. And I remember asking one time, I'm like, why? I was making fun of him, but uh, I was like, why do you have all of my friends' pictures? Uh, and he's like, I'm wanting their names. I'm wanting their names. I'm praying for them. I remember leaving school, how my high school was set up is you would drive by the uh, practice football fields. And almost every day I would go and leave my high school and drive by that football field and I'd see Kevin just leaned up against a tree, just watching practice. Um, that's how I learned uh, ministry was important. Uh, I remember the very first time I ever went and picked up, a, I was a senior, picked up a freshman high school kid. Uh, he, uh, it was a kid he knew. Uh, Kevin had, had gotten to know this kid, and he's like, hey, I've been getting to know this kid in the campaign. Uh, club tonight. He said he's already going to come. I want you just to go pick him up. Um, so I was like, I can do that. Uh, so I went and picked up Anthony. Anthony's one of my best friends to this day. Uh, but I'm so thankful Kevin never told me uh, to just say invite your friends. Uh, what I saw was he invited me into it with him. He showed me how to do it. Um, I saw the importance of it because I saw him doing it. Um, so I hope we never just tell kids, hey, bring your friends tonight, fuck them. But he was, he was the most invested. Yeah, and that's us too. Um, you know, the thing I love about the, how Kevin did that, how he cut up those pictures of running some people's names, he knew their names before he even met them. Uh, so when he went up to school, it wasn't like, hey, who are you? He went up to him and said, hey, what's up, Michael? How's your dad? Hey, how's your basketball game going? Like, that's how, that's how Kevin did it. And it reminds me of that story in the Bible when uh, Nathaniel met Jesus and Jesus and the knew all about him. And I love that story. But that's, that was how Kevin did it. Um, we know kids at our high school. Um, and we have a couple more minutes here. Um, a couple last just practical things. 
To be able to do contact really well, we need margin to do it. Um, so my first year on staff, I just blocked off three to four every day, or three to five every day. I said, that's untouchable. Uh, and I think that's what, what we need to do. Uh, so my question for you is, what, what's your rhythm? Uh, Kes said this uh, in the meeting, but the test of a good young life leader is when you miss something, someone says, we're a that's how you That's how you win it. Uh, so, question is, what's your rhythm? What's your what kind of rhythm are you going to get in doing contact? Because if it's just like, hey, I've got some free spots here and there, uh, I don't think that's going to be super effective. So, planning it out. What's your weekly rhythm uh, with contact work? Block it out. When you look at your schedules for next semester, are you making your schedule based on <coughs> when dismissal is? Uh, or those kinds of things. I think those are all super important. Uh, I remember being at a meeting in the fall with our senior vice president, so Kevin's boss, uh, who's in charge of Young Life in a large area. Uh, <laughs> but I remember him saying, hey, if you're, if you're uh, like a, if you're either on staff, or if you are a team leader and you're having meetings with your team uh, at 3 o'clock when dismissal is, or if you're not closing, like, uh, if you're, like, say you're, yeah, if you're meeting with a leader after 3 o'clock, you should be fired. Um, does that make sense? I didn't say that earlier. Like, that was Cass's boss saying, saying that. Uh, it's the most important thing to do in the world, is contact work. Uh, so if we're, if we're meeting with another leader at during dismissal, then we should be fired. We should not be doing it. So one thing, uh, margin, consistency, rhythm. What's your rhythm, consistency? The other thing is uh, contact work, adventure. Um, take kids on adventure. Bring that, bring that into their life. Uh, adventure. Young Life was founded on adventure and fun. Uh, and then the last thing here, uh, this is something I hear a lot. Uh, I have said this a lot, so this is to me too. Uh, I've said, Kids are too busy. Um, as I've thought about that, uh, and as I've said it, like I think to some level it's true, <coughs> but I think what's even more true is that I think uh, we're too busy. Uh, I think we become too busy to go to kids football or go to the fall court or go to special Olympics track meets. Uh, I think we become too busy to go see a kid at work. Uh, I think we're too busy um, to do those things. So I, I hear that, I think there's some level of truth that kids are too busy. But I think what's, what's true is that uh, we think I'm too busy. Um, um, and the 
the last thing to here, uh, just to finish up with Dave, uh, I think we're all with kids trying to get to a place where we're going deep with them, deep conversations. Um, I think that's really good. Um, I remember about a year after Dave went to camp, uh, Dave got in some big trouble, legal trouble. Uh, we had to go to court. Uh, I remember getting a phone call from him. In the middle of the day, uh, he was at court. Uh, got kind of a rough, um, yeah, uh, rough. It was just a rough day. I just remember that conversation. He was saying, "Yeah, I'm in." And then whatever. Only, you know, I don't want to. He was he was scared to death that he was going to jail. So I just remember saying, "Hey, I'm done. I'm trying to figure out how to become a Christian." We got together that night. And I remember praying that day. Um, you know, whatever the Lord wanted to do, if He wanted to come down hard on the and send him to prison, or He uh, just wanted to show him, you know, and pick you off, just wanted whatever was pointing to the gospel. Uh, Dave sat there and just asked all the questions and just sat there and listened. And, you know, got to pray with him. But to go back, it's much better when uh, you know in those situations. It's a lot sweeter when kids are the ones who are initiating those deep conversations with you. Um, and that's only through the very time that they trust you enough that they're willing to come. I remember being in high school and uh, bawling my eyes out if I had to figure out for a girl. <laughs> but it's because I trust him. Who else? Who else was going to go to figure out? Uh, it wasn't forced. But, so let me pray real quick. I think we're trying to transition. Lord, thanks for uh, everyone in here. Uh, Lord, thanks for the gospel. God, uh, thanks for the incarnation. Uh, contact work and prayers. Yeah.